It's been quite a while, <laughs> but I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad that I'm with my family. Uh-oh. I was told that that's not good sound. So we're going to start out, and I would like to read Acts 20, together in unison, if you would. That's it right there. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Shall we pray? Father, I can't imagine how great your love is. God, you knew us before we even formed in the womb. And you gave us a purpose and a race to walk out, to be a part of, for your glory. God, I give you this service, Lord, that your words would be spoken, not mine. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity as I give it to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I might not be able to use that thing. It is a good day for the race. I was told that many, many, many moons ago, about 30 years ago to be exact. I used to go to Springdale, um, was raised there and grew up there. And I'd sit in the pew and sit there and take it in to the point of a 10-year-old. And I'd get up at the end of service, and I would head for the door to go out to the playground. That's where I liked to go when I was 10 years old. But I'd get stopped at the door almost every single time at the exact same place every, sin every single Sunday by a guy by the name of Harold King. And I'm sure that where he lived, there's a lot of people that probably know of Mr. Harold King. <coughs> Good man of God, always faithful in doing the Lord's work, speaking to Jesus to everybody who came to. I was met at that door every single Sunday. It's a good day for the race. <laughs> Ten-year-old, man smiling at me like a smile you've never seen before in your life. And here I am, is this man nuts? What race are you even talking about? It's a good day for the race. The man, I never knew it then, but just that simple quote has been an inspiration. I mean, it's just amazing. I want to read to you Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. In the midst of all my stuff here and my notes and everything, the Lord has been leading me on this three-week journey, if not longer than that, of trying to um, figure out exactly where he wanted me to go. goes is how the Spirit leads. Like I said, it's in the Lord's hands.
How it goes is how the spirit leads. But Cherie, Thank you. <laughs> this, has a, this has to do with our race that we're running. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin, excuse me, the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. I would also like to, these two go kind of hand in hand to me, and they came to me at the same time. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25 reads, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not, that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So I want to ask you a couple questions, and I'm going to touch on them as I move along this morning. The first one is, how is your relationship with Jesus? Because it is absolutely essential to our race that we're running. And is your relationship with Christ first and foremost and in good times and in the stormy weather? Because our Savior Jesus says that in this life we live, we're going to have trouble. There's no denying it. It's all around us. We experience it on a daily basis. So how's your relationship through Christ in those times? How might your relationship with Christ affect how you run the race marked out for you? This brings me to a story that just last night was put in my heart and put in my mind of, of something to touch on. And it has to do with running the race. It comes from Matthew chapter 25. And the story is the parable of the talents. I'm sure we're familiar with this parable. I'm going to slide that down a little bit. Okay. It didn't work, did it? Okay. Well, I might end up needing a microphone there, Dave. I don't know if it's screaming at me. We're going to start at... It will be like a man going on a journey. We're going to start at the beginning of this parable. It says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gave five bags more, gained five bags more. Also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who received one bag went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of the, those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five, five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. The master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's joy. 
The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things, and I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's bag. The man with, who had received one bag of gold came. He said, Master, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy, lazy servant, you knew... You knew that I harvest where I have not seen and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then, you should have put my money in deposit with the banker, so when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. I want to stop there on that one. Before we were born, before we were even conceived, he knew us. He gave us a purpose in our walk in this life we have but 80 years plus minus a few couple here and there it's determined by the lord there's no way we could ever know what that day might be but for the little tiny itty bitty inkling of time that we're here in this temporary residence that we're in he gave us a purpose what is that purpose that's between you and the lord to figure out i can't sit here and tell anybody what your purpose is, that's not, we're given. But my thing is, is in this purpose that we're given, where does Christ stand in your life? The more I thought about that, and the more that he pressed in to me about that, the more I realized that this purpose that we are to run, to receive this crown, that we're promised to be given is in vain if he's not number one. If our eyes are not fixed on him through the thick and the thin, through the muddy waters and the sparkling clear waters, our race can't be run with his intended purpose. As your passion in life to fulfill your calling as you see fit, or is your passion in life to constantly surrender to Christ, that his Holy Spirit will guide you and direct you and lead you where he wants you to go? That's a hard one for me. I fought, battled so hard in my life trying to figure out what that means, doing my own thing here and there and everywhere else, and it's scattered. You just feel lost. You're just everywhere. Um, I remember a few years back, I'm just going to touch on this. I'm not going to get into details or anything like that. But I went through a time where I worked, where I thought that I wanted to be a lineman. I worked for Dominion Energy. If nobody knows, that's where I work. You can hate me. You can love me. It's not me. I stay out of that. But I thought that I wanted to be this big heroistic lineman guy that likes to climb poles and deal with all the high voltages up there. And I went through about two and a half years of the training program. That two and a half years had to be the most 
oh, I don't even have a word for it. Hardest is not even an inkling of what it was. It doesn't even put a, it, it's, not, it's not a good word for it, but I don't know of another one. But anyway, through it, I was pushing on in my own pride and my own drive to see that I'm going to get this done. This is my first and foremost. My eyes have now left where my eyes need to be because I am only focused on what I want to do. That's not his purpose. Being a lineman for Dominion Energy, being a construction machine operator for Dominion, calling is to proclaim Christ thus far isn't what we're called to. Our, our calling is to proclaim Christ and his good news no matter what it is that you do for a daily living, whoever is there working with you, that is our purpose. It's such a bigger purpose than what I thought for the last, oh, I don't know, 30, no, 33, 32, 30 years of my life. The Lord's opened my eyes to see, look, I didn't just die for you. I died for these other people too. But if they ain't going to hear it, how are they going to know about it? That's where we come in. Luke 9.23 says something very important. And I'm going to turn there. As soon as I find it. Yeah. I really wish they could mark these things better. That would be me. <laughs> then they said to them all, then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. I mean, I wished I'd have saved it because I looked something up one time about what it means to take up your cross. A lot of people, myself included, for a long time means, hey, you got to carry your burdens around with you and this, that, and the other thing. That's the cross, you know. Well, if you remember, Jesus carried that cross not for himself but for us. So when he says, take up your cross and follow me, following him means take up your cross so that you are able to see, so that you are able to Live the purpose he gave you. You have to deny yourself. You have to get rid of that stubborn pride that says, hey, no, that's what I want. I want to do that. I want to do that. That looks fun. Not going to say anything about it, but it wasn't fun. <laughs> that's not my example of fun. A lot of stuff happened. Leave it at that. God knows best. We'll leave it at that. So, James, I like reading scripture, by the way. I'm, I, I, these, these verses came to me, and, and it was just so much to a T where he wanted me to go with this. So, James chapter 1, 2 to 4 says, Con Consider it purity of your faith produces perseverance. You face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish the work, finish its work so that you may be mature and complete lacking nothing. In our race, 
when we have these trials, when we have these struggles, just like what I had when I was down at the training center and for the two and a half years that I, lack of better things to say, wasted on trying to figure out that that's not what I wanted to do, we go through these trials. What happens through these trials is, is really depending, dependent on what we're going to allow to happen. Because you have two things. You've got two choices. You can listen. Or you can be deaf about it. If you listen, the Lord is good to grow our faith. It says in the word, um, I'm not sure exactly where it's found, but it says in the word that through these things he comforts us so that we are able to therefore comfort someone else. And the comfort level is all grouped together in his comfort. So if we don't go through these trials and we, our faith doesn't grow, we don't allow it to, to become mature and complete lack of nothing, if we don't allow the Lord to do this marvelous work in us, the comfort thing where we're able to say, okay, Cherie, yes, you're up here, you're like right there. <laughs> if you went through this, I could say, you know what, I've been there. And, and I now know how that I can talk to you in a way that is, that is beneficial to, to comfort you in it. If we, if we fall to deaf ears on it, if we say, no, I don't want to hear it, then we're not able to grow in faith the way the Lord wants us to grow in faith. We're not able to grow to that level where we can also administer the same to somebody else. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7 says, In all this you, you, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have led, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, this is this faith that I'm talking about where you allow God to speak to you, where you allow God to comfort you and bring you out of these trials. Not saying you don't have to go through them, but and offer you stronger than what you once were. Of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, honor, when Christ Jesus is revealed. Refined by fire stuck out in my mind. What does that have to do? When gold is put in the fire, what happens? It melts. It melts and it gets more pure. That's what he wants to do with us. Our hard hearts have got to melt in order to get softened where he can build us up the way he desires us to be so that we can go and run this race that's marked out for us and give him the glory. I'm going to read a quote from a guy by the name of David Wilkerson. He's a pastor, was a pastor. I, I think he passed away a few years back says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. It comes from Galatians 5.25. The Apostle Paul gives us this very simple instruction in plain terms. If the Holy Spirit is living in you, let him have full control of your life. That is one of the hardest things that us as human beings can do because we have so much willpower to do what we think we should do. 
and how humbling it is to realize that we don't have a clue without knowing what he wants us to do. We're blind without his leading. So the words, it's a good day for the race. And his smile, whether or not it was because he was looking at my confused look on my face or whether he knew that if I allowed the Lord to work in my life, he, it would, that the Lord would bring me to understanding what he meant by it's a good day for the race. He didn't mean NASCAR. <laughs> he didn't mean a foot race because it's a journey. He meant the race that he has marked out for us of purpose. I'm going to tell myself a little bit. If anybody knew how I was back in school, they would know Mr. George Sinclair is probably one of the few that do, knows that I was not that good of a runner. Matter of fact, I remember, I don't know where it was. I guess it was middle school. It doesn't really matter. I went around the track four times. I guess they call that the mile run. It took me like 15 minutes to complete a mile. I was not a runner. But guess what? <laughs> In our race, we're all runners. It don't matter as long as his purpose is accomplished in our lives. Harold King's words never left my mind. They have never left my heart through me going off and doing my own random, stupid past life of everything else beyond what he wanted me to do. They've never left. They keep coming back. They keep reverbing. It's a good day for the race. It's a good day for the race. It's a good day for the race. It is a good day for the race, is it not? Yes. <sighs> Father God, you've spoken. It was short, but God, your point doesn't have a time limit. God, I thank you for your words. I thank you for your encouragement. I thank you, Lord, that you have brought us to a place where we allow you to filter deep in our hearts. God, that the, the humility needed, Lord, is only done through your spirit. It's, it's done as we, as we allow you, I hate to use that like it's something that we do, but Allow you to infiltrate our hearts, Lord, so that we are able to change and become more mature and complete, lacking nothing, that we are able to run this race marked out for us. This race, this race that Acts 2024 says, testifying of your good news, of, uh, of your of your grace, of your mercy. God, that, that is our purpose. No matter what job, career, whether we're retired, Lord, it doesn't matter. Our race is marked out for us. Help us to stay, help us to stay on track, Lord. You say, don't go to the right, to the left, but go unswervingly. <laughs> We match these scriptures up, Lord, unswervingly in the race and, the, and, and, and marked out for us. God, I, I thank you, Lord.
that, that your discipline that your discipline grows us in a mighty way if we, if we allow it to. Lord, I thank you for your discipline. Though it's hard when it first initially hits us, Lord, that conviction hurts. But God, it's all for a purpose. And that purpose is to become more mature and complete, lacking nothing that we are able to run this out of. Out for us from before, long before we were even thought of. Lord, guide us as we go from this four walls, Lord. As we continue to be your church, help us to keep our eyes focused on you, fixated on you no matter what. Whether it's a storm or a beautiful sunny day like today. God, help our eyes, our spiritual eyes to never, ever leave you. God be the glory. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. So, ask these questions to yourself as you leave this place. How is your relationship? How is your race being run? Are you allowing Christ to be your center? It's a good day for the race. May you go in the peace of the Lord.